Good morning, church family. Hopefully you've heard by now that we are collecting our year-end mission offering. Your giving enables new work to help dozens of mission partners each year. Today we're focused on our national partners where we donate time and money to several organizations across our country. The Maritza Center in Lynch, Kentucky is an area where we have helped them for years serving the community. There are many poor and needy people in that area and they help people and share Jesus. One community church is in the heart of New York City. We have taken a team there for the last three years to help them as they reach the lost and serve the homeless in New York. Rest Stop Ministries is in Lebanon, Tennessee. They have a long-term residential facility and your giving allows them to help restore the victims of human trafficking. Lastly, I'm excited to introduce to you one of our newest partners, New City Church in Austin, Texas. Justin and Rebecca Smith followed the Holy Spirit's call to plant a church in Austin, Texas. Austin is one of our country's fastest growing post-Christian cities. So let's hear from Justin about how our giving enables New City Church to impact their community for Christ. Austin's a little bit different from the rest of Texas. Um, it's a whole lot less culturally Christian. We could come and we could plant a Sunday service. We could find a building uh, if we could afford it here. Try to get everyone to come to our um, to our worship service. But that's likely only going to attract Christians who are already a part of some other church. It's not that we want to try to do a new thing. Actually, we're really going way back to an old thing when the world was not post-Christian but pre-Christian. We've planted three missional communities is what we call them. A group of people who live in the same part of Austin or are a part of the same people group um, in the city, um, like college student. These groups are getting together every week to throw what we call dinner parties, which are um, environments designed to be hospitable to those who would not expect hospitality from Christians. We want them to walk in and, and to kind of be surprised by hospitality. Even now, we're doing work that is setting us up to be the senders in the future. We plan to raise up leaders and to send out church planters in the future. What you do by giving is you are participating in what God is doing through works like New City Church in Austin. And I think the local church is the hope of the world. And so what better thing to get involved in? One of the reasons that we highlight these ministry partners is so that you can feel a personal connection with our giving. So as we prepare for our December 17th year in mission offering, I encourage you to pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you as you decide what to give, how to pray for them, and where to serve. Talk about a personal connection. When I watched that video, I love the picture of Justin and his wife, Rebecca, because I saw Rebecca grow up in the church that I pastored in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. She and Allison were best friends in preschool, and it's so cool to see that kingdom work that she is involved in with her husband. We want to encourage you to be praying about our year-end mission 
offering. Well, today we're turning our attention to a new series called Traveling Light. And you know, the reality is Christmas has always involved a lot of travel, hasn't it? I mean, you go back to the original Christmas story, you have Mary and Joseph, and they're traveling to Bethlehem. Then you have the shepherds who have this incredible announcement, and then they're traveling around trying to figure out where Jesus is. And of course, you have the story of the wise men who travel from the east. In my own Christmas stories, it, it seems like it's always involved a lot of travel. As a kid, it was a 500-mile trek every year from Michigan to Kentucky to see our grandparents Listen, over the river and through the woods was more than the lyrics of a song when I was growing up. That's the way it was with every holiday. And then when we were the parents, Diana and I had a young family, it was always about a Christmas trek. First, it was from here in Kentucky, going to Michigan to see my parents. And then when they moved back, we moved to Arkansas. So it was from Arkansas to Kentucky. And then it was Colorado to Kentucky. We were always on the move. Of course, the reality is that's kind of the way Christmas is for so many Americans. It is estimated that 133 million Americans, adults, will be traveling this Christmas. That's exactly one half of our adult population. And on average, they're going to be traveling 275 miles per Christmas trip. So that just kind of made me curious. I wonder who among us will be traveling the farthest this Christmas? How many of you are going to travel more than 100 miles? Show of hands. Put your hands up. If you're going to travel more than 100 miles, hold them up. Hold them up. All right. How many of you are going to travel more than 250 miles? Anybody? Anybody? All right. We've got some. How many are going to travel more than 500 miles this Christmas? All right. We've got still got one down here one back there all right anybody gonna travel a thousand miles or more oh, we have some in the right here too that's great that's great one other group how many of you are not going to travel at all and you're going to plan it right at home and you're happy about it right <laughs> absolutely the truth is we're all on a journey we're all on a journey called life and this year as we move towards christmas what I want to do with you as a church is help you to see that Christmas invites us to travel light. Did you know Jesus even invites us to travel light? Jesus sent out his disciples in Matthew 10, 10. He told them, don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. I like how the message paraphrases it. It says, you don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep going is your three meals a day. Travel light. There's something appealing to me about this idea of traveling light. But let's just be honest, it's, it's easier to say that than it is to do that, is it not? It's easier to talk about it than to actually live that way. The truth is, as we travel at Christmas or as we travel through life, it is so easy for us to get overwhelmed, to be overloaded, to be loaded down. So for the next five weeks we're going to be talking about how to travel light we're going to look at five different kinds of baggage burdens 
that we can carry through life that perhaps we need to jettison as we prepare ourselves for the advent of Christ, the coming of Jesus. Today we're going to talk about simply this. It's not about the stuff. It's not about the stuff. Our penchant for materialism can become the ruin of Christmas. And if we're not careful in our craving for more and more, we can devastate ourselves by the time January rolls around and all those bills start coming in. just want to remind you at the beginning, it's, it's not about the stuff. And next week we're going to talk about you need to get past control. We love control in our life or the illusion thereof. And let me just tell you, a lot of the stress and a lot of our grief and a lot of the family tension that we're all going to feel during this season, it all revolves around our longing for control. But let me tell you, at the heart of the Christmas message is simply the truth that none of us are in control. So you've got to get past the control. In week three, we're going to invite you beyond the distraction. There is so much to do, and our focus can be lost in all of the, the different directions that we have to go. And then on Christmas weekend, we're going to talk about moving beyond and overcoming our regret. I don't know, I think there's something about the nostalgia of Christmas and all the memories that we have that we begin to look back, and if we're not careful, we can get locked down in the regret instead of choosing to trust God even in the midst of where we are. And then finally on New Year's weekend, we're going to talk about getting past the past because let's just be honest, we all have one, right? Do you know even the family tree of Jesus, there were some skeletons in that closet? Stories that you would read and go, well, I, I wouldn't have thought about that. Well, all of us have an invitation to get past the past. So that's where we're headed with Travel Light. And today I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Now typically, let me just tell you, this is usually the last story that we look at during the season of Advent. It's the story of the Magi coming, the wise men, and the reason that this is usually the last story is because there are hints in the story that this happened sometime after the birth of Jesus. The text will tell us that when the wise men arrived, when they came into the house, well, that's a pretty good clue that they're not in the stable, they came into the house. And then we're also told that they found the child uh, it's not the, the Greek word for baby. They found the child, and so we see some, some age that's happened there. And, and even the, the hint that is found in Herod's massacre of the innocents tells us that it was children up to the age of two, and so there's some indication that that happens a little bit later. So we're going to begin with the ending of the Christmas story on purpose because I think one of the biggest burdens that can prevent us from traveling light at Christmas is our love of stuff. And I'm just telling you, it's not about the stuff. I remember several years ago, one of our last Christmases in Colorado, I had all of my family come to our house there in the suburbs of Denver. My brothers and their wives and their kids and mom and dad, and we all piled in. We had some friends of ours that are going to be out of town, so we had their house and our house. And I mean, we were all over the place, and, and it was epic. And we talked ahead of time, and we said, listen, we're just going to do all of our Christmases all together 
one time. And so everybody brought all of their gifts. And I remember after the, the younger ones had gone to bed, you know, at Christmas Eve, we began hauling out and bringing out the gifts. And we put them under the tree, and then we put them in front of the tree, and then they piled up around the tree until it was overflowing. And listen, this picture that I'm going to show you, that's not my that's not our tree that's not our Christmas but that's what it looked like just a little more than ridiculous right it was crazy and I remember the next morning before anybody got up just me and one of my brothers were sitting there all the lights are off just the twinkling lights from the tree that you could see just at the top you know and in that quiet morning as we're sipping our coffee my brother who is unchurched he takes a sip of coffee and then he says so yeah do you think this is really what Jesus had in mind I remember thinking ouch I tell you it's not about the stuff so before we read the passage today, let me introduce myself to you. My name's Kevin. I'm one of the pastors. We are thrilled that you're here. And in case you haven't yet looked at today's program, let me just give you a preview of some things that are coming up so that you are aware of the program and the things that are getting ready to happen. The first thing I want to tell you about is our Christmas services. We're using the exact same schedule we used last year. You have five options on Christmas weekend. Um, for services every service is identical they're going to be 50 minutes in length they are family worship services candlelight services we're also going to be receiving our blessing benevolence offering now you can give to that offering all year long many of you do but this is the one time of the year when we receive it and it's just a way of blessing people that are in a time of need it's one of the things i love about our church and let me just let me just remind you and update you about kind of how this started we started in 2020 and let me tell you since we started that offering uh, we have given away three hundred and twenty nine thousand dollars year to date and we have blessed 466 different individuals and families that are going through a time of year in 2023 we've given um, ninety two thousand dollars away and we've blessed hundred and eighteen families and individuals and so we want to encourage you to be thinking about praying about participating in that because it is just an incredible way to bless people um, throughout the year so we invite you to do that second thing i want to remind you about is something that you've already been reminded about our year-end mission giving in your seats there today there was an envelope we encourage you to pick that up be talking about that as a family be praying about that preparing for that offering and then thirdly i also want you to know this is the time of year when we look at our budget for the coming year our budget is our plan for how are we going to accomplish our vision and next week we're going to take some time um, in our service to pray over the year of 2024 and so well, let me encourage you to pick up a copy and if you have questions to talk to any of the pastors or any of the elders so let's now turn our attention to a very familiar story that comes out of the Christmas narrative Matthew chapter 2 we're going to begin with verse 1 of chapter 2 and then a little bit later on we'll pick up the end of the story as well and this is what God's Word says Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. 
about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? For we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. Listen, there are three important truths about our stuff that I want to make sure that you get this Christmas. And the first one is simply this. Number one, it's not about the stuff. It's Jesus. When the Magi arrive, I want you to notice their question. They ask the question, where's the one who's been the newborn king of the Jews? In other words, where is he? Where is he? And so I would say to you as you prepare for your Christmas, where is he? Where's Jesus showing up in your celebration? That's the right question. I mean, in this story, it would be easy for us to skip quickly to the end of the story where the wise men come into the house and they give him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, and and they they celebrate him. And we're going to get to that. But from the outset, I want you to see it really wasn't about the stuff. It was about Jesus. And let me tell you, that's a good reminder for us to this day. Christmas is not about all the stuff listen while americans typically will spend on average a thousand dollars on christmas gifts it's been estimated that this year on average we're going to spend over sixteen hundred dollars on our gifts that is the largest single jump since the pandemic and it's easy just to be overwhelmed with all of the stuff i mean i already told you that's kind of the the way our family operated you know a few years ago our family decided we were gonna we were gonna stop doing that and we actually started doing something many of you may be doing we didn't come up with this but when we when we heard about this we thought this this is a way for us to simplify maybe you've heard of it maybe this is something that would be helpful to you when it comes to our gifts this is what we do we we have like a four gift limit and, and this is what we we give we give them something they need something they want something to read something to wear and it's that simple and let me tell you I didn't grow up that way. That's not how it happened. But there is just as much joy, and I'm beginning to think, maybe even more joy with the gifts because of the simplification. Now, the truth is we're only a couple of years in doing this in our family. But the thing that I've noticed is we don't have that materialistic meltdown at the end of all of the gifts when the paper is piled up and one of us asks, is that it? Is that all I get? And I'm not the one who usually says it, usually. I'm not anti-stuff. 
Listen, we've got lots of stuff. And listen, right now, we have a garage full of stuff that belonged to my mom and Diana's mom. And don't y'all tell Diana that I showed her the pic- you the picture of our garage because she would be after me. But let me just tell you, we're working our way through all that stuff. And the truth is, over the last couple of years, we've already distributed two very full houses of stuff. But since we've been on this journey, let me tell you what it's changed. It's changed how I see all the stuff in my house. Someday, somebody's got to go through all my stuff and get rid of it. I'm telling you, it's not about the stuff. You see, we think we own our stuff. But if you're not careful, you'll find out that your stuff actually owns you. And it's taken up a lot of room in your life. And listen, when we figure that out, we are better equipped to begin to travel Life. Listen to what the Bible teaches us about having stuff. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 18 says this, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money for good, and they should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. I love the message paraphrase of, of, of those words. It says this, Tell those that are rich in this world, world's wealth to quit being so full of themselves and so obsessed with money, which is here today, gone tomorrow. Tell them to go after God who piles on all the riches we could ever manage to do good, to be rich in helping others, to be extravagantly generous. If they do that, they'll build a treasury that will last, gaining life that is truly life. Listen, this is the time of the year when we need to be reminded that Jesus was the one who told us it is more blessed to give than to receive. It's not about the stuff. It's about Jesus. And the second thing that I want you to see is it's not about the stuff. It's the giving. When you look back at that first question that we looked at earlier in verse 2, they ask the question, where is he? Where's the one who's born the newborn king? But then at the end of that, they say, so that we might worship him. That's why they came. They wanted to worship Jesus. And listen, worship always involves giving. Worship isn't you know, a show that you go watch Worship is about bringing yourself into the presence of God and giving yourself to Him. It's about giving your praise. It's about giving your resources. God has blessed us to be a blessing. And listen, sometimes giving may be the most worshipful thing that you and I can do. Look, when we come to the end of the year, I always kind of feel the heaviness around these offerings about the year-end mission offering and our our blessing gifts and we're talking about budget but as crazy as it may sound i think the best thing we can do to counteract our addiction to materialism in our lives is to teach 
the importance of giving. It's not about stuff. It is about conditioning ourselves to be a giving people. The giving is what helps us to travel light. That's why one of our key core values as a church is that we'd be radically generous. I mean, these are the five things that we say we want our church to be distinctive. This is who we are. We are biblically serious. In other words, God's Word guides us into all truth. We're always going to lean into God's Word. But secondly, we are spiritually alive. We're not only a people of the Word, but we believe that God's Spirit is alive and in us, and He's at work in us, and we're going to follow His leading. You'll often hear me talk about follow the nudge as, as the Holy Spirit leads and directs. The third um, value is that we'll be radically generous just like God is radically generous with us so too we want to manifest that in our congregation fourth we will be purposefully missional that just means we want everybody on mission every one of us on mission and number five intentionally diverse Listen, my prayer is that our church would look more and more and more like heaven with every passing year. In fact, there's a phrase that I use in my prayers now, and it's this, in Hoptown as it is in heaven. In Hoptown as it is in heaven. I want to see our church here in Hoptown look more and more like it is in heaven, and that means we need to be intentionally diverse. Are you giving yourself to that end? Listen, the Magi came prepared with their gifts, but the best gift was just they came to worship Him. If you want to travel light, it's not about the stuff. It's about reorienting, reorienting our lives towards giving. Jesus was the one that said, no one can serve two masters because you're going to hate one and you're going to love the other. No one can be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So number one, it's, it's not about the stuff. It's Jesus. Number two, it's not about the stuff. It's the giving. And number three, it's not about the stuff. It's the message. Do you remember the gifts that the wise men brought? Gold, right? frankincense and myrrh you know what i know about those gifts those were some pricey gifts i mean they really were this wasn't you know last minute stop by the neighborhood market at bethlehem and and pick up something because you got it you got to have something these guys had put some real thought into those gifts and there's a an important message in the gifts that they were going to give. In fact, let, let's read about it. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 9, and it says this. And after their interview with, with Herod, the wise men went their way, and the star that they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. And it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy, and they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him and then they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh there's a message in every one of those gifts 
And this is the message. Gold, that was the gift of royalty. It was a gift of sovereignty and majesty. It was the kind of gift that was fit for a king. And so let me ask you today. Have you made Jesus Christ the king of your life? Have you enthroned him in your heart and submitted yourself to him? Do you accept Jesus as your king and will you bow to him as your king? That's the message of the gift of gold. And then there was frankincense. Frankincense is the gift of divinity. This was actually a priestly gift. You see, it was a precious and expensive incense that was used in worship, and it was, it was used as a means of opening the way to God. And the truth is, Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. So the question that that gift should raise in our lives is simply this. Have you opened your heart to him? Are you making your way to the Father through the Son who is our King? Jesus is not only the King you need, and he is not only the way to God, but then there is this third gift. I'm just going to tell you, this is the strange gift. Because myrrh is the gift of mortality. It's the gift of death. Now that hardly sounds like a gift, right? I mean, if somebody came up to you and they said, Hey, I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. I'm going to give you the gift of mortality. We'd say, I'll take a hard pass on that one. No, thank you. Not interested. I mean, this was the strangest baby gift ever. It'd be like giving a casket. Let me tell you, if you've ever stood beside a casket, you know how painful that moment is. But you see, you need to understand the message behind the gift. This, This myrrh gift was pointing to the fact that from the very beginning, Jesus was destined to die. He came to die. Galatians 1.4 puts it this way. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Myrrh was the mortality gift. Jesus was going to die. Even in the Christmas story, Jesus is going to die. But in his dying, he would become life and he would give life to all who receive it. Listen, we can't fully explain it, but we can embrace it. Jesus takes my place in death and he gives to me the gift of life. Romans 6, 8 puts it this way. And since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. And so the question this gift prompts is simply this. Have you died with him? Have you died to your sin? Have you turned and repented? 
Listen, do you, do you see it? These gifts are not only the picture of who Jesus is, but who Jesus can be for you. He can be your king. He can be the entrance to God. He can be the way through death for you. Listen, this week as I was preparing this message, something reminded me, and I went back and looked. And it was 53 years ago this month. And I know most of you are thinking, no way, you don't even look 53. Just nod your head, all right? 53 years ago this month, I was baptized. I was just a nine-year-old kid. But I trusted Jesus. And I asked Him to rule and reign in my life. I asked Him to be my way to God, and I confessed to Him my sin, and I accepted Him as my own. And the truth is, that's what this season is all about don't get bogged down in all the stuff what you need is light in a dark world and jesus is the light that you long for jesus himself declared i am the light of the world if you follow me you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life and that's what it really means to travel light. Just like the wise men. They saw the light. They followed the light. They embraced the light. And I'm declaring to you that the light has come and you can travel light. Listen, this Thanksgiving, our grandkids were all at the house. And one evening, I'm not even sure why, they decided that they wanted to play flashlight tag. So we started looking through all the house. We found all the flashlights we have. And listen, all of our grandkids are under eight, so they're, they're still pretty, pretty little. And so we found flashlights for each, and we sent them outside to hide. You know what I found out? When you're eight years old and younger, you're not so good at flashlight tag. I mean, there were several complications. First of all, they didn't like the dark. <laughs> Secondly, they, they, they didn't like the hiding. They didn't like being quiet. You come outside and start looking, they start going, you know, pretty easy to find. And they sure didn't like the waiting. So they decided, we don't want to do the hiding, we want to do the finding. So, all right. So now the adults go outside, and the kids come out to find us. But that wasn't easy either. Because, you know, as adults, we get better and better and better at hiding. Sometimes we're really tough to find. So they came out, and they looked, and eventually they found us. And there was great rejoicing and delight when they did. It's always that way. Let me tell you what I suspect. I suspect there are some of you in this room right now who are really good at hiding. But I want you to know 
God has sent his light into this world. And he is really, really good at finding. So today I invite you to get found, to come into the light, to recognize that God has given us precisely who we need to rescue us from where we are. And I invite you in just a moment as we respond to make your Christmas journey from wherever you are to stepping in to the light. Listen, we say as a church, we exist so that every man, woman, and child would have the opportunity to know Christ and to grow in Christ and to go as the body of Christ. Let me invite you and encourage you to get on with shining His light. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father and our Lord, we thank You so much that the light has come into the world, that You have sent Jesus for us. And in this season, with, with so much activity and, 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 and so many traditions, it's easy for us to, to begin to lose sight of what really matters. Father, I pray that you would help us to remember it's not about the stuff. It is about Jesus. It is about giving. It is about the message. And in all of our giving, may we make the message of Jesus the main thing. And Father, if there are those in this room right now or watching online who've not yet come into the light, Lord, by your active Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just convict their hearts. And that today, they would travel from darkness into light that they would be found, saved, rescued, and made secure by the goodness and the glory of your Son, Jesus. We pray this in His name.